Episode 212, Bonus Edition, Interview with Lisa Johnson. Hi, I'm Gabriel Carrillo from the EdTech Bytes Podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Educators, is your passion tank running on empty? Look no further. Gretchen of Always a Lesson has a double dose of just what you need. Come fill yourself up with an empowering educators podcast to start your day feeling empowered. Welcome to the Always a Lesson summer interview series. I've asked some very special guests to bring their wisdom to you all throughout May, June, July, and August. Connecting you with other elite educators is one of my favorite parts of this job as a teacher leader and podcaster. The insight that you are going to gain from these conversations is going to prepare you to hit the ground running during the back-to-school season, but more importantly, it is going to reignite your passion and your potential as an educator. Are you ready to level up what you bring to the table and how you serve those you lead? Then buckle up and let's go. So Lisa has 19 years of experience ranging from teaching high school English and middle school math to international curriculum development, creating and presenting workshops, and even running technology integration camps across the state. She is a busy lady. She holds a master's degree in curriculum instruction in tech and currently serves as an educational technologist for a one-to-one iPad high school in Austin, Texas. Additionally, she has been recognized and selected as an Apple Distinguished Educator and PBS Digital Innovator. Lisa is passionate about college and career ready skills, instructional design, digital portfolios, research and curation, slide design, social-emotional learning, and my favorite, professional development for students. Guess what? She is also the author of two books. The first one's called Creatively Productive, Essential Skills for Tackling Time Wasters, Clearing the Clutter, and Succeeding in School and Life. And the second one is called Cultivating Communication in the Classroom, Future-Ready Skills for Secondary Students. I mean, can you tell that this is an elite educator? She is amazing. I cannot wait for you to hear from her. So let's just get right to it. Hey, Lisa, thanks so much for being a guest here on the Empowering Educators podcast. Thanks for having me, Gretchen. Yeah, no problem. We've got listeners that are tuning in from honestly, around the world now. This is so exciting. I love the world of podcasting that educators can come together and learn from you today. So if you don't mind, I'm going to just jump right into the good stuff. By all means, go for it. (laughs) Okay, so let's just set the stage so they're like, okay, who is this person and how did you guys get connected? So explain to everyone how our two paths have crossed. Yeah, it was um, serendipitous and and kind of interesting. So... (laughs) LinkedIn, of all things, I posted an update about my first book and and how it had been purchased for a bunch of CTE or career and technology teachers in the district. And really, that wasn't the main part of the post. The main part of the post was, 
you know, it, the book was published almost three years ago now. And, you know, this is the first time a district has really kind of embraced it in bulk. And it was more just like, keep going, keep doing what you're doing. Know that what you're doing is mattering. And, and you know, it, it, it may not happen for you in the first month or <laughs> first year, two years, but, you know, just keep sharing and putting, you know, good work out into the world. So I think you had kind of commented on mm-hmm. that. And then I connected with you. And then I was like, Oh, my God, you're amazing. I love your <laughs> podcast. Like, <laughs> and I was like, how did I not know that this person, you know, was out there. So that's amazing, too. I love the world of the internet, because it shrinks our little box that we live in. And suddenly you're connected to people that are on fire for education. And I've shared my story before, but I always just felt everyone around me was negative and not really wanting to do anything more than show up and teach the grade level. And I had this burning desire to lead and no one around me was really doing that. And thank God to Twitter chats, I found that there, Hey, there are other people in this world who like love what they do and they want to be challenged and they want to share ideas. And so ever since then, I've been much more willing to talk to strangers on, for example, LinkedIn and, and other sorts of social media groups, because I'm realizing I have so much to gain if I'm willing to put myself out on limb and say, hi, you don't know me, but I think what you're doing is pretty amazing. Will you come share your story? And I'm so glad you weren't like, okay, weirdo, I don't know you. Please stop following me. (laughs) But you were like, yeah, let's make this happen. So I appreciate your willingness to also go, you know, outside the box and willing to talk to my audience. And we're going to get to your book later. But I just so appreciate you um, welcoming my comment with open arms. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I love being able to connect with other people that are passionate in the field and and I just, so, you know, I, I obviously Googled you and, you know, looked you up and, and kind of, kind of saw what you were doing and listened to some podcasts. And I was like, this is a really awesome person. And <laughs> I, I'm, I'm really glad that we got to connect because, you know, that's kind of the beauty of social media too, is, is you put stuff out there and, and you kind of have these connections, but sometimes they're not kind of lit up. They're not in use um, for a variety of reasons, you know, and so being able to kind of connect in person and take it one step further is really cool. Well, not in person, but you know what I mean? Close (laughs) enough, right? Through Skype, that sort of counts. (laughs) Um, well, let's just update everyone. You, your journey is so interesting, which I want to unpack a little bit of, and you even mentioned a little bit of it in your book, which I want to pull a piece from, but start from the beginning. Where did you start teaching and where has that led you to what you're doing today? That is a great question. Um, <laughs> I I actually graduated um, from UT Austin, and I had a teaching degree and couldn't find a job. So <laughs> um, I I ended up taking some more you know exit exams and, and kind of making sure that you know I was certified to teach a variety of different things, and then I ended up getting a job actually teaching seventh grade math eventually through multiple substituting and different things like that. And also sophomore English. So I've taught, you know, two different sort of <laughs> realms. And when I was doing that, kind of like what you were talking about, you know, you're being called to lead and, and your kind of your passion with that. When I was working in the classroom, you know, I, I was constantly developing content for the classroom. I didn't have a textbook. I didn't have a mentor. And I had, you know, outdated everything pretty much. Um mm-hmm. <laughs> So, and, and the internet was certainly not what it is today. And so 
I did. I had to, you know, create things or I had to, you know, go to conferences and things like that. And and I found that I just I loved doing that. I loved creating content for my students and I loved creating content for others. And so I ended up getting a master's in curriculum instruction and technology. And I was like, oh, my God, this is my calling. Like, this is what I love doing. Like, I love curriculum instruction, you know, with technology and being able to kind of design learning experiences for other people. So um, flash forward, I don't know how many years, but um, <laughs> I'm I'm now an educational technologist. I work at a one-to-one iPad high school in Austin, Texas, and I work with, you know, 2,700 some odd students, 220 some odd staff, and, you know, the community, parents, and, and really kind of our focus is thoughtful integration of technology. I love that. And what an impact each role that you have had is served teachers in kind of a different capacity. And I mentioned wanting to pull something from your book because one, it, it makes you sound one quirky, which is makes me feel connected to you. Like you're, you're just personable, but it also shows you how out of the box you are and how willing you are to continue to learn and grow in new ways and follow your passion and not be afraid for what's to come and trying to figure it all out. But you know, before the call, we were talking about being type a, but through this comment, it kind of shows me that although you might be type A in nature, you're flexible enough to just allow the journey to lead you. So let me share with the listeners what I'm even talking about. So you said, sometimes I feel like a walking contradiction. I'm an ed tech who teaches soft skills, an English teacher who taught math, a people pleaser who seeks out of the box ideas and doesn't follow, doesn't like following directions, and someone with ADD that is organized. I mean, I howled laughing like, isn't that us all? We, we are willing to be all these things and try these new things. And that to me, as what makes a great educator is you're willing to adapt and change and grow and be challenged. So I applaud you for being that open and transparent about how diverse of a personality you are. Well, I, I appreciate that. I mean, I think that's kind of my thing. If you, if you look at kind of my social networks and things of that nature is I just, I, I want to be as open and transparent because I feel like anytime that I get that on the receiving end, you know, when people are talking about, you know, the pitfalls or, you know, how they overcome, you know, some struggle or somebody talking about anxiety and depression, like any of those things. I'm, I'm really, I'm really happy that they're talking about those things. And I feel very honored to kind of be in that framework and be a recipient of that information because I I think just too often we're not as honest about, you know, our struggles and, and kind of how we came to be. And I think we're not going to move further and we're not going to be able to support others unless we are honest about those things. I completely agree. And in thinking about the different roles you've had and the transitions that you've managed, what would you say is the best lesson you've learned through all this? I know we were talking transparency and being open-minded. Is there anything you would add to that about just this lesson that sticks out to you is, okay, that was a a pivotal moment, something I'm going to tuck away forever as a great aha in my life. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can, there's, there's a few things that kind of merge and mingle into one, but really, you know, I'm because of my ADD and things like that. And I'm, I'm always 
I don't intentionally mean to, you know, finish people's sentences or like go on to the next thing or this thing. And so what, what I've really had to do and what's been really important in a support role that I'm in is to, you know, one, roll with the punches and also two, just be a, a really good empathetic listener because you're a coach, you're a facilitator. And many times in these roles, you take on kind of a, a, a problem solver hat and if you get too deep into that analytical role, you sometimes miss a lot of the underlying issues and the concerns that people have. So really just trying to be a good listener, it's not an easy thing. Um, I don't think it's an e well, it might be an easy thing for certain people, but, um, <laughs> you know, it, it, it does take skill and it takes time. And, and, you know, not only just listening to what people are saying, but, but how they're saying it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, kind of looking at the body language and all of those sort of things. I think that's a real lesson that I've acquired. I also have um, my youngest son is on the spectrum. And so I, I've learned these lessons throughout the years as well as really trying to make sure that I'm teaching him the same sort of things because those types of skills don't, they're not innate to him. Right. I think what's interesting you mentioned it's the lessons behind what people are saying. It's them. There's the front message, and then there's the behind message, which is probably most important. And to even like you're saying, your son who's on the spectrum and it doesn't come natural. There's also students who just have a different personality type or aren't interested in that. So I think what you're also saying is modeling for somebody or talking through how to do these things helps make them better at it, but it also helps you be more conscious of the thing you're also working on. So you're uh, an educator in every way, shape, or form, and I think that one makes you an awesome mom too, so I applaud you for that. But um, we've been talking more about your supportive role and what made you great and, and what lessons you have learned. Let's flip the coin a second and say, all right, all these people that you support, what are you noticing is a common factor of what makes an educator great? Well, first of all, I want to say you are an excellent listener and you summed that up way better than I did. <laughs> <laughs> so I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you said it earlier and it was funny because I had already kind of, that was what was in my brain um, thinking about, you know, kind of greatness in educators was it sounds corny, it sounds cheesy, but but some sort of passion and drive and excitement and whether it be excitement for teaching, whether it be excitement for learning, for growing, for their content area, and and that paired with, you know, just showing your personality a little bit and, and really that you are human and, you know, how you kind of acquire these things and, and why these things are so interesting to you because it, it is, it's truly contagious. Anytime you're around a teacher that's just it's like this magnetism um, mm -hmm. and it's, it's just fascinating to watch. Yeah. I was talking to another educator who, you know, usually when you ask these questions, they say something about instruction or pedagogy or something, but it's really being a person and they never teach you that in school. Like here's how to teach. Yeah, that's great. But here's how to connect person to person, because this is what's going to get you through life. This is what's going to motivate the one kid who wants to give up. This is going to motivate the teacher you're supporting who feels like they have nothing to give and nothing to offer. Like here are different ways for you to show your human side and connect. And so I think that that is such a valid characteristic to note about what makes teachers great. It's the connectors, the one who, yeah, they know the content and they're great delivering the content, but they're also just connecting people to people. And 
I really, uh, I couldn't be behind that e anymore. So I'm glad that you brought that to the surface. Hey, y'all, I just want to take a quick second to let you know support for this episode is brought to you by PowerSchool. They know teachers go above and beyond for students, but teachers need help too, especially as they're asked to do more every day. And that's why PowerSchool, now with Schoology, combines SIS, LMS, and assessment technology, empowering teachers with more time for what really matters. Visit www.powerschool.com slash time for teachers to find out how teachers are using technology to unlock student success. Power School, time for teachers. Uh, we've got a, a variety of listeners on this show, and we often talk about these teachers that are in distress or transition and they're thinking they're not good enough. And I'm like, sometimes it's not about your knowledge. Sometimes it's about like that personable factor. Are you getting along with your peers? Are you trying to do more with your kids about finding out their interests? And when they looked at me like, is that why I'm not successful? I'm like, listen, if you're great at the instructional piece and there's something that's not working, I bet 10 out of 10 it's because you're not allowing yourself to be yourself, and that's what's going to bring everybody in. Um, but besides that piece of advice that, that you are sharing and encouraging teachers to do, we also have new teachers and then folks like us that are teacher leaders. So if you were to pick one group of teachers to talk to specifically and give a really honed-in piece of advice, which group would you pick and what would you say? Oh, see, and I'm I'm one of those people like, why why do I have to pick just one? Well, you don't and, have um, to. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I as you were saying that, I think, and I'm sure, just you know, being in this sort of realm over the past few years, it's that piece of self care, and I think you kind of, I mean, yes, being authentic, but it, it's sometimes hard to be authentic when you're not really you know, understanding who you are and what you value and, and where you want to go in education and, you know, and, and kind of what you want to do with the content and, and your students. And so, you know, like I, I mentioned, you know, I have a son on the spectrum. I, you know, work full time and then I do, you know, things outside of that realm. And I also deal with anxiety and depression. And, you know, I, I, that whole saying of you really do have to put your own mask on before, you know, you yes. help others. Mm -hmm. It's, it's really is true. And, you know, especially if you're a parent and an educator, because you're so giving and you're pouring out so much of yourself into your students and your colleagues. And you just have to remember that at some point you have to take time to rejuvenate. You have to take time to kind of like locate that patience. And it's, it's not being selfish you know, I, for me, what I try to do is, you know, I'll watch YouTube, not YouTube, I'll watch Netflix. Um, I've been watching you on Netflix. That's yes. a whole nother thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and now I'm almost done with the first book or, you know, I'll, I'll find some sort of hobby that isn't school related. It might be, you know, reading a YA book or, you know, it might be doing some journaling or, you know, g going somewhere with the kids, but really, you know, you do have to take breaks for yourself, whether it be a bath, listening to music in the car, you know, just something like that. You, because, you know, the, the jar is only so full <laughs> and when you empty it every day, you know, you have to kind of replenish it. And it sounds, it sounds silly, but it's, it really is true. And it's something that, um, I, I, as a mom always feel guilty about, you know, doing that, or I feel like I'm being selfish, but mm -hmm. it, it makes me a better person during the day 
for all the people that I support um, who need me to be 100%. Yeah, I'm definitely more patient when I get a little mom time. So <laughs> I, I understand. And as you're talking, I'm thinking to myself, again, this is something else. We never teach future teachers. It's like, Listen, this is a long game. You can't be the first one in the building and last one to leave every single day. That's not going to make you a great educator. You've got to find ways to disconnect, find other hobbies, like you mentioned Netflix or doing something with family. Like You have to be able to not just live 24-7 on education. You're going to get so burnt out. And if you love it as much as you love it, then we've got to hold that magic inside and, and, and not push it away by being so consumed. And I love and slash hate that self-care is this huge movement right now because I think it's shedding light on, okay, let's stop praising teachers for butts in seat time, meaning, oh, well, you stayed at the school the longest. That must mean you really love it or you're a really great teacher. And I'm not about that. And that we're willing to say, I'm glad you're spending time with your family and not writing lesson plans. I'm glad you're not responding to my email 10 seconds after I sent it, you know, but I also hate that now it's a little eye rolly, like, oh, here we go with the self-care. But if you really think about what makes someone great, it's the well-roundedness and your advice about Hey, learn to figure this out now along the way so that you can develop these habits and you can be successful later. So, um, and I think, like you said, this applies to each bucket of those teachers. So I'm glad that you shared that piece of advice and didn't hone in on just one. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree. And I, I do get like, you know, that self-care eye rolls. Okay, it's just a hokey thing. <laughs> uh-huh. But I mean... I, I know it personally, and I see it with our students. And even, at, you know, at the high school level, like our kids are getting burned out because they're not practicing self-care. And to be burned out in high school, you know, I mean, that's why you have so many kids taking gap years and, and all of these sort of things. So, I mean, I think I think it's a greater epidemic, um, but it, it really is something that we have to be aware of. Yeah, I 100% agree. And we've chatted a little bit throughout this conversation about you've written two books and you've had all these different roles and you've been able to do some professional development. But who do you go to to learn from and, and challenge yourself to continue growing? Do you have a current mentor? So I don't have like one person. Um, I'm I'm kind of like that. I like to sample different things uh-huh. and I'm... I'm you, you can, I'm sure that doesn't surprise you at all. Um, <laughs> but I, I will give you some, you know, kind of actual tidbits for you. So I like to look in different places and I like to look in places that are kind of outside of education and then bring those things into education. So, you know, people like Austin Cleon, you know, is amazing and he's an amazing author and he writes about creativity and all matter of different things. And so I, I get a lot from him. I get a lot from Colleen Hoover, who is a YA sort of, I guess, contemporary romance author. But like just just following YA authors, you know, on places like Instagram and things like that, you learn so much about the process and about just human beings in general and, you know, the creative process and all of those things. And I think there's a lot of things that we can take with us, you know, how they deal with distractions, how they deal with procrastination, how they, you know, make deadlines and, and power through, you know, certain times and, and how they deal with, you know, critics and, and all of those things. Um, Ryan Holiday is another one. And then I also follow people like Michelle Rohr, who does this amazing stuff with self-care and planners and printables and all of these sort of things. 
you know, I follow people like the anxiety healer who is um, a licensed professional and she shares all kinds of resources and a lot about self-care. And then I'll follow educators like, you know, Monica Burns or Casey Bell or Tony Vincent. And, you know, also I think just learning from even my own colleagues, you know, I've got a colleague who loves spreadsheets and data privacy. So I learn a lot from him because spreadsheets and data privacy are not my cup of tea. Um, (laughs) But I I learn a lot and I can kind of glean different ideas from that. So I think you should be open to learn from anybody that inspires you, really. Yeah. And there doesn't have to be one person that's great and all the things you need. You could pick and choose, just like you said. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I get bored really easily. (laughs) So um, I, I like to kind of have different things, you know, and then if I'm really into that one thing that I might, you know, read all however many Colleen Hoover books that she's written, um, which are all amazing, by the way. But (laughs) yeah, (laughs) they're just, you know, it it just depends on whatever mood I'm in and and kind of what I what I need. Well, I was going to ask you how you just stay up to date on what's happening, you know, in education specifically, but it sounds like through social media and through books, that's really where you get the most learning from. Would you say that? Or do you have another source that really helps you stay on top of things? Yeah, I mean, I would say I would say conferences are good, kind of figuring out what conferences, you know, are kind of targeting to whatever you want to learn. And and being okay, like I've gone to planner conferences, I've gone to women in leadership conferences. So you know, don't think you just have to go to an education conference per se. Um, yes, books, tons of times, and you know, just following amazing people on Instagram because it's a little bit slower than Twitter, and I think you can kind of have a little get to know people a little bit better and and kind of share things. And then podcasts, obviously, I've I've learned a lot through you know, listening to podcasts, and I don't have a whole lot of time to do the podcast thing only because I have a small commute, mm-hmm. and so. And I have the kids in the car, and so they want to listen to, like, Diary of a Wimpy Kid or the radio or things (laughs) like that. But, yeah, I mean, those are kind of the the main places, and I'll just – what I try to do is figure out what are my values, what are my goals, what do I want to learn, because I don't think you can stay current in everything. There's not not really a way to do that. So, you know, for me, I know I really want to look at visual literacy. I really want to look at communication skills. I really want to look at – you know, social emotional learning, mental health, things of that nature. And so I I kind of know what my buckets are. And I try to kind of fill those buckets. Because otherwise, I would be incredibly overwhelmed by all of the things because there are all of the things all the time. (laughs) Well, I'm listening and thinking, wow, there's a theme here about intentionality, like being self reflective enough to know where it is you need to grow. Then choosing the people who are ahead of you or, or, you know, experts in that field and then watching them play out in their lives to learn natural nuggets from them, not just, you know, what they're putting in a book, but how they're living out their life and what you can pull from that. So I I think that is solid. I 100% agree. Advice about deciding ahead of time before you go down all the rabbit holes of ways you can learn and grow and and stay current, that you choose what is it that I need to work on or I'm interested in, and I'm only going to focus on that, and I'm going to find the people that are going to help me do that, and then, okay, I can change course. But I do like that idea of just you're being very purposeful and intentional with what you're doing. Um, I I admire you for that. 
Thank you. I really appreciate it. I was listening to I was listening to one of your podcast episodes where you said something that kind of stuck with me, and I think you might have said it in, in, a little bit differently just now. But talking about you know connecting with people that are a little further down the road because mm-hmm. I think sometimes and and I do this too. I'm like it, it's got I've got to be able to connect with people that are have already done this or have already done that. And it's, it's not about that. It's just somebody who's just a little bit further who can talk to you about, and they don't even have to be a little bit further necessarily in your field, depending on what it is that you're wanting to learn. Um, But I, I really appreciated that because I don't, it's, it's not like it has to be done for them. You know, you can learn a lot really from anybody. From whoever's in the trenches with you, they just got to be one step ahead. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, one second I want to take just a little break to say and celebrate you and the progress you made in the classroom because a lot of teachers love to beg, borrow, and steal ideas. And so I always give uh, my guests a chance to get on their soapbox and you know rehash this old memory of what I call their all-star teacher moment. So let's rewind the tapes and find that moment for you where you felt like things really connected or you just felt really good about it or the students really received it well so that others listening can say, okay, how could I apply this or try this out in my classroom? Okay. Well, you know, you know, I like to go off script a little. Um, so (laughs) I, I was thinking about this idea of like, and, and please know that I, I do work with students, I do work with staff, but um, I don't have a classroom anymore or a, a dedicated classroom anymore. And so I was really thinking about, you know, I could talk about all the stuff I've done with reinventing the reader's notebook, which went really well last week at TCA. I could talk about, you know, the slide deck lessons I've done with Business Incubator and, you know, talking to them about visual literacy and, you know, marketing and communication skills through slides. But for some reason, something that stuck out to me was my 12-year-old. He's a preteen. And it goes back to that whole idea, and I'm, I love that you said it too, about the modeling, because it, it's, just, it's just modeling the behavior that you want to see in your students and, and your own children. And there was something about any time that I do something wrong you know, like I, I might yell at my kids. Yes, it does happen. Um, or I might raise my voice <laughs> or I might, you know, make a mistake or it just, it just happens. But I, I always go back and I say, Hey, I'm really sorry. I was upset about this, but I just want you to know that, you know, I apologize and that wasn't the right way to handle it. And to see him to start doing that too, not in the moment, cause a 12 year old preteen in the moment, like that's not going to happen. Um, <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination, but I just, I I don't think that we teach kids how to be, I mean, we, we teach them the content, but a lot of times, you know, they, they also just need to know how to be good human beings yes. and, you know, to deal with all of the things in this current world that we have that, you know, it, it's just kind of thrust upon them. So I think just modeling how we handle situations is really important. Yeah, I 100% agree. And I love that you're connecting the way we teach kids to very similar and how we prevent or uh, present our learnings and our information to adults. Not that they're, they learn the same, but there are similarities in, Hey, you have to deliver interesting content. It's just not enough for you to know things. You have to be able to say it in a way that resonates with them and the way they need to hear it. And so that they can apply it. So I'm glad that you, you brought that example up. Thank you. I'm, <laughs> I'm glad I did too. Cause I, I think there's a lot of people who just need to know that, 
that what they're doing with their students and what they're doing with, you know, their own children really does matter. Yeah. And um, you kind of mentioned this before, just about, you know, there's a crossover between education and business or whatever that, as my brand says, it's always a lesson. There's always something that you can learn from these things if you're just willing to show up and find what the little piece and, you know, what the nugget is for yourself. No, I totally agree. Well, let's transition into your book, Creatively Productive. Did I say that? Did I pronounce that correctly? Yes, you did. Creatively Productive. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Essential skills for tackling time wasters, clearing the clutter, and succeeding in school and life. So one thing I love about this book is it's so practical, but also very specific about what teachers can do right now in the classroom. So thank you for putting this together. Well, I I appreciate it. And thank you for kind of saying it was practical because that's the one thing, you know, any time I'm doing anything, I I don't want it to be pie in the sky. I really want to make sure that whatever tips, whatever topics, practices, examples I'm sharing, you know, everything in that book and everything in the first book is either something that I, you know, observed in a classroom, something that I've designed myself, something that you know, somebody else has found really useful and practical and they, you know, they wanted to have success or they have had success with it. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I talk about in the book about digital organization, time management, note taking skills, goal setting, reflection, and, and a lot of those different topics, because what I was finding at the high school level and even middle school too is, and I know you kind of touched on it as well, is all of those sort of skills that we're not teaching kids, a lot of those are social emotional learning skills, which I think are started to get threaded through the curriculum. But there's other soft skills like note taking where I was finding that, you know, they would learn how to do, you know, Cornell notes in English, but mm-hmm. they wouldn't understand like, oh, I could use Cornell notes over in this class and or okay. I might actually use a mind map for this or, you know, vice versa. So that that's kind of what I try to do is I try to say, look, these are the things that I'm seeing are gaps in, you know, the secondary education. These are things that I've been working with students on. And here it is. Here are multiple options because there's not one right way to do this and, and do with it what you will. Yeah. And I even like the way you set up the book. I mean, I kind of picked and choose which sections I wanted to read. But if you decided to read it from start to finish, it is kind of organized of Here's some quick things you can implement now for some short term or, you know, some quick results. But, you know, the last half of the book is really long term developing some habits and trying some new strategies that's going to take a little bit longer to develop and strengthen and also see results. So I appreciated having that part one, part two way of of saying, you know, decide what it is. Again, intentionality of how you want to learn and grow and pick from this book what you will. And you even give options per different subject areas of how a certain strategy would work and thinking about, you know, different tech behaviors. It doesn't matter which device or which app you're using, but here are some best practices to use all the time, which I think is so connects to kids' lives and gives them these life lessons. So I'm like, yes, this really is beyond this. Like you were saying, Cornell notes are only for English class. It's like, no, all this stuff bleeds over into each other. I'm trying to make you a scholar that's lifelong learner. And it's it's helping the teacher convey that message so that kids don't learn in isolation that I do this in math class and I do this in my reading class. And 
<laughs> my favorite part is the micro and macro list because I realized I was <laughs> doing these things, but I didn't have the words to say, hey, this is what it's called and this is why it's so great. So I was like, yes, like I've done something that's great because she wrote it in the book. So, <laughs> and we also said, you know, type A people, I love pictures and there's checklists. And one thing I thought that really set your book apart, by the way, is at the end, you had commentary or additional comments from folks that you had, you know, crossed paths with who are in some major companies that are in education. And I thought, wow, what a great way to, to continue to pay it forward and say, here's what other people are also saying that they want to pass along to you. And I'm like, wow, this book just really has it all. Well, thank you. And I mean, that, that really came out of, I, I don't think that I'm the one voice of all things, you know, creativity and productivity. And and also in, in a lot of those things, it just really depends on, you know, your personality. It depends on, you know, kind of how you organize things. And so I really wanted to show, sorry, I had a door close. Um, <laughs> I really wanted to show that, you know, everybody's a little bit different, but these things are all important. And so, you know, whether, and really not all these kids, all of the children, you know, or students that we have, they're not all going to end up to be educators. You know, many of them are going to be end up to be, you know, engineers or, you know, architects or, you know, work in, you know, all, all matter of different sort of entities. You know, I have one who's um, the hair salon owner for Urban Betty and she's amazing. And so I really wanted to show that these types of skills are important in almost every career and they, it just might look a little bit different. Absolutely. I just think, Oh, I just think the work you're doing for educators is fantastic. Is there anything we haven't touched on? We talked about technology and we did mention that you had two books. I don't know if you want to talk about that real quick. Yeah, sure. So I, I know we talked about the book, but please know that there are tons of resources. You know, that's kind of what I've been doing, you know, since the book was published last year, uh, earlier this la last year, I've created, you know, freebies and templates and a companion site and, you know, multiple blog posts about different things. So all of that stuff is free to the public. If you go to www.techtchchef and then number four letter u.com forward slash books, it'll take you to both of the books and both of the books have um, free companion sites with a ton of different resources. So, and, and all of those resources are free to the public and, and you can kind of pick around and, and, and learn a little bit more about any of those topics. Awesome. The other, oh yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, the other thing I'll mention is, and I know I kind of mentioned Instagram because that's kind of where I, I live now, um, not in on Instagram, just versus Facebook or other right. places. Um, so I'm note chef for you on Instagram because I started that account initially to, you know, share my notes of, you know, for my reader's notebook, bullet journal, things of that nature. Mm -hmm. I've expanded it to, you know, tips for productivity um, digital wellness, social emotional learning. You might see some cars from Cars and Coffee, and um, every once in a while, my links point kitties. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I try not to bombard the account with those things. <laughs> That's funny. Well, I will put all of those in the show notes. Folks know how to reach that. That way, they can access all these amazing resources. 
But before I let you go, I did want to ask you one more question because I think it's important for us to be reminded that it's not always going to be smooth sailing. So what do you do to stay passionate in your potential as an educator? How do you kind of reignite all that that was in you from the beginning? No, that's a great question. And I think I think it goes back to the whole self-care, reflection, and and being, you know, really strategic with your learning and your growing. And and even for me, like, and I think you talked about this earlier on, like, you know, I, yes, I love social me- media, but it can be really daunting and you feel like you can't live up to all of the things. Yeah. And, and so just taking a step back, learning to be inspired, but not intimidated. I'm pretty sure that quote came from the passion planner mm-hmm. um, because the, the planner community and all of their wonderfulness can be very intimidating to look at. Yeah. But but I'm, I'm stealing that because I love the idea of you can be inspired, but not intimidated. Like I've done a 30 day social media detox where I just went off of social media and it really let me kind of reset. I didn't like delete accounts or anything like that, but it allowed me to kind of reset and think about, you know, why am I using these tools and, and who am I connecting with and, and how is that making me feel and what am I getting out of those sort of engagements and connections and things like that and, and to really be more purposeful and intentional about those things. So I think sometimes you do have to slow down and reset to kind of rev up and move forward. I think that perfectly sums up a lot of what our answers were tonight. So well done. I'm so glad you. we connected. <laughs> I am lucky to work with you now that we have been able to connect and learn along with you and watch what you're doing. And I'm just thankful you are willing to come on and chat with my listeners. So um, just want to say a big thanks and virtual hug to you. Yeah, absolutely. I'll give you a hug and a, and a high five as well. Um, <laughs> thanks for having me. Of course. Well, we will chat soon. Thanks again. All right, y'all. Was I right or was I right? Lisa has such an empowering message from talking about empathetic listening to work-life balance and self-care to being a lifelong learner and just going after the things that you want to learn about and devouring everything you can about that topic to truly become the expert. She gave us such practical advice and had such a positive, uplifting attitude. It was just a pleasure to talk with her. So please take her up on the suggestion of connecting through social or email and really picking her brain for ways that she can help you learn and grow as an educator. Lisa, if you're listening, thank you so much for being a guest here on the Empowering Educators podcast. I truly enjoyed our conversation and wish wish you the best. All right, Elite Educators, that is a wrap for this week's special edition interview podcast with Lisa Johnson. Now go out and be great because you've just been empowered. <laughs>